Hello and welcome to the Weekend Review. I'm Michael Curzon and I'm joined as ever by SD Wicket. Sam, how are you? I'm good, Michael. Uh, the sun is shining. A uh, slight breeze in the air here in the here on the uh, Thames Estuary. It's uh, it's a wonderful day, and I believe uh, summer may be upon us earlier than we thought. It may well be, and uh, this is good news or bad news, depending on where you stand on the matter. But we're joined also by Luke Perry. He's back. Um, not he has a day off from work, uh, but may have a few more days off work. Um, <laughs> Having been sat for an inappropriate comment, um, Luke, how are you? Is the most. Well, I, 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 no, I, I'm, I'm actually sort of relieved that I don't have to sit through that sort of PRPC corporate hellscape for, well, until I find another job, of course. But yeah. Well, uh, we said before, we'll go into the circumstances of this at another time because it's quite an interesting story. Um, I, I said that the next. The next regime censorship uh, column by Mr. Perry and the print issue will, I'm sure, be a, an interesting one with his, his own name. <laughs> it, it, it will be a seven-page essay, don't you worry. <laughs> That's good. Um, so, yes, we'll go into that. But since we're on the theme of it, Sam, you told us a moment ago, uh, there's always some sort of example of something that's been banished from, from Twitter. Um, the latest one is Shakespeare, who, of course, is, is not fit for the modern age. Um, so why don't you tell us about the, the Twitter um, the Twitter user that has mm. been tested this week? Yes, so um, Peter uh, Kerwin, who's a uh, professor of English at the University of Nottingham, um, has been warned by Twitter and has been uh, briefly taken down for... Uh, so th he's basically, he's somebody who... Um, who quotes um, Shakespeare? He's a, he's, a, he's a pretty serious scholar on the matter, and he was uh, he was doing a tweet about um, a uh, some group around the university performing with the RSC, which is the, the number one Shakespeare company in the country. Uh, R stands for Royal, um, and there's a, there's, a, there's a line in Henry V, Part Two about uh, about slaying lawyers. Um, and he he mentioned that in a tweet, which he, which he was he was quoting uh, the play, um, and yes, he's been taken down by Twitter, which is not the first time this has happened. Um, people have been got trouble before for quoting yeah. things. Um, of course, you know it it, it clearly um, it clearly uh, you know there there are no bad tactics, only bad targets. It seems um, like it's like the whole uh, the whole Joe Rogan fiasco where he was uh, he was sort of. Uh, there were sounds of him saying uh, a rather naughty word, um, which he was he was quoting. He wasn't saying it of his own volition. Um, so yeah, it's a nice little uh, opening story. Yeah, Twitter um, apparently deems uh, the bard to be hate speech of some sort. Well, that's good. Um, Musk, of course, is still uh, we're still waiting to see the results on the, the Twitter Musk story. We talked about this last week, Luke. Um, where Musk has offered to take big shares in Twitter uh, and talked a lot about the importance of free speech and, and certain ways he might want to change the platform around that. Now, I don't really know about Musk very well. The things I do know, I'm not actually that fond of the whole testing of... Uh, he talks about an age in which humans won't communicate verbally. It'll be, it'll be done through chips in the brain. and all, all, you know, all the sort of moon travel or the, the Mars travel, I think is just slightly strange and a bit silly. What do you make of his uh, attempt to take over Twitter, though? Is this something that perhaps we, we lay aside or other qualms about him? I, I don't think he um, will take over Twitter because uh, I, don't, I don't think the, uh, the, the people still within Twitter will, will allow that. But I, I think he has played a master game of um, bringing the, uh, 
bringing light to the darkness, so to speak. It's really revealed how these uh, these uh, democracy lovers re really love their authoritarianism to save their precious system, and how uh, Elon Musk would be, you know, a, a boon for people who think freely and not the um, censorious administrators of Silicon Valley. And and uh, their mouthpieces of the media have been getting some very uh, interesting takes on the matter takes which I do uh, as I say bring to light how um just uh, explicitly power grabby they are hmm. yeah. I mean, two things there one um a word has entered the discussion here which is moderation which is um sort of their way around saying you know censorship please let us censor people but also um the attempted takeover has also shown us who's actually on Twitter's board yeah. um supposedly crown princes in in the Arab Gulf um and um everyone's favorite uh corporations vanguard and blackrock yeah. um, supposedly sit on the board of twitter so i mean it's it, as you said luke it's it's uh it's shone, it's shone light into the shadows and, and so it was, you know it isn't just you know jack dorsey and power agrawal who run the show it also you have some pretty powerful corporate players behind the scenes as well yeah it was interesting i thought when he did the poll uh asking users of the platform what they thought about its uh, its approach to free speech and you know this obviously polls like this are usually pretty hopeless because you have you have uh, you, you have a, a size of, of people being asked of about 2,000 I think this had either two or three million let's say two which is still for the sake of argument pretty incredible um, and 80 percent of them said that they thought it didn't do enough to uphold free speech so it, it has shone a big light on it and also on on sort of the customers of the platform's own perspective of this which i think is is interesting um because you usually we talk a lot about how um the other platforms fail not just because the tech giants make it so that's the case you've written a lot about this luke where uh you know they're, they're kicked off the the app stores and the the hosts are disabled they, they can't do anything basically mm -hmm. uh, we also always say well the users of twitter are happy enough with it anyway they'll stay there because a lot uh, sort of that political bent in the first place this sort of suggested otherwise that a lot of people are um regardless of their political views uh pretty fed up with the platform's approach to free speech so yeah i agree with you i don't think he is going to take it i don't think they're they'd ever let that happen well but, so his you know, twitter of the the board's put basically what's called the poison pill um yeah. which I'm not, I'm not sure exactly how it works but essentially it's it's comparable to um a merchant vessel uh with pirates approaching shooting holes in the ship and letting water in essentially they're they, they're, they're gonna let the the stock plummet to avoid him taking over um yeah but also, I mean, uh, he's 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 proven quite influential on stocks anyway. I mean, he he tweeted about Netflix the other day about how how it's um it's progressive messaging in their in their series is is hurting the company and and now the company seems to be in free fall. Yeah, am I right in thinking that it's never made a profit in the first place? I remember hearing that. It seems like their Netflix. Well, that's the it case. It seems like their their model is to be bought out. Right. Yeah, because you'd you'd have thought it would make a lot of money, especially given um, the fact it, it is now producing a lot of its own series and its own films. That there'd be a lot of money in all this, but I don't know, maybe because well, you know, it, it isn't like conventional filmmaking where a film like unlike Avatar can bring in you know twenty billion dollars, right? So why is it horrendous? <laughs> right, <laughs> carry on. Because everyone going to see it. Netflix 
the model is you know based on on subs so you know every month how many subs they have is that's how much money that they get in but they're going out and spending you know they're spending you know um major um production company levels on on production for that you know barely anyone's gonna watch i mean of all their original series only a handful are actually worth watching the rest of them just tosh mm. The new series, and the, 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 I do notice the shows that they do are just deliberate award grabbers. Yeah, it's like the Netflix did Marriage Story. What an absolute Oscar bait that was! Which was this story? The, the Marriage Story. I oh, think yeah, the, example, the, I could, example I can pick up immediately. Noah Baumbach film. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's that's all happening then on the international sphere, I suppose. But um, we'll look at a moment at France, um, where the election will be concluding on Sunday, which is the day after this is released. Um, it was pretty close in the balance. Even allies of Macron, including the French PM, uh, said, you know, the game's not over yet. His own foreign minister, I believe, was saying, this is pretty close. We, we've got to be got to be careful here. Uh, this was all before the debate took place. Um, and that has, has changed a lot, um, where Macron, where the polls were sort of one or two percentage points uh, gap is now about 15 points ahead. Of course, these things can't be completely trusted, but they're good barometers that there's been such a sudden change. Um, and it's an interesting point about how they run their elections, which is that while a lot of European countries, including Britain, allows for postal voting, meaning if there's a debate the week before the election, it will make very little difference because a, a large portion of people have already cast their vote. In France, you can't allow for postal voting. It all happens on the day. It is pretty much solely based on people actually turning up to somewhere and putting a cross in a box. It's it's very, very physical, demanding process, which is, I think, a good way of doing it, because it does mean that things like debates, which should be important in a political process, actually have a lot of weight. We've seen this this time. Le Pen, uh, by most accounts, performed better than in 2017 when it was pretty drastically bad. Uh, but still not good enough. Um, yeah, the, the over by Macron. It's, it seems like she had a penalty. She had a, you know, an open goal from the penalty spot and, and hit the crossbar. Um, yeah. if, if you think about what's happened during Macron's uh, tenure, I mean, there's been beheadings. There's been you know, the vaccine passport scheme, the yellow vest, which were brutally cracked down on. I mean, the, the guy is actually very unpopular in France. And um, you know, yeah. a real a real blazing debate performance could have really put to bed the election. And I, th- I think um, because obviously also in France you've had you know various uh, current former generals saying you know France is very close to civil war due to its you know mm. its it, it, its its haphazard approach to immigration and and integration. Um, this is someone who's who's made a complete dog's dinner of of pretty much every policy approach since he's been uh, the French president. Um, by all accounts, he's very unpopular in France, um, and also, I mean, uh, the surprising thing is is is, is Le Pen's um, demographics. I mean, the the young the young vote. I think the twenty five to forty nine bracket is is heavily in favour of Le Pen. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, what, what should have really, I think, finished off Macron above anything else, or at least be the icing on the cake, or the, the sharp end at the end of the guillotine, whichever whichever approach you take, is um, <laughs> the fact that he came out against self defence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a far, what, a far, what was it? A, a farmer shot what a robber in his own home and is trying to protect his young daughter. And M- Macron, you know, surrounded by armed security guards, said, "You know what? No, there's self-defense now. Don't like it." Mm. 
Mm. Also, I mean, it's, it's very, it's, it's no. very, it's very clear that 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 Macron is, you know, the um, the establishment candidate. You know, he's a former, you know, investment banker. He's, you know, he's held very high positions in a French, in a French establishment uh, prior to becoming prime minister, despite you know having a new party, which you know paints him, you know, uh, inaccurately as sort of a, a resurgent populist. Um, he is very much a stooge of the of the uh, the European uh, sort of centrist establishment. And um, it's, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a lot closer than the last one. But uh, it seems, yeah. you know, it seems, it seems uh, Le Pen sort of, you know, uh, didn't, you know, go for the jugular at the opportune time. And now it's, you know, it's probably going to be another Macron turn. Yeah, from what I read, certain scandals which she could have really dug into um was sort of used as a one-off quip uh, yeah. just a short line at the end of an argument um and the attempts to sort of focus on macron's time in power and criticizing aspects of that were sort of lost um and and instead there was a a, a bit of a focus on uh, le pen's own alleged sort of uh, backing of putin which of course is largely nonsense um but yeah, I, I I now think it's probably very unlikely that she will win. I thought it was before, but now it seems to have sort of solidified that fact. Um, and probably the end of Le Pen, because she said this was the last election she'd run in. Hmm. Um, but also bear in mind, you know, France is um, is the the cradle of the of the European new rights, and so where the mantle is dropped by her, someone like Zamor would, would pick it up and uh, and run with it. But also bear in mind, you know, it's not over till it's over. I mean, no one thought Brexit or Trump would happen until, you know, uh, until that vote actually went, took, like, went, like, took place, you know. Um, you know, uh, strange things ha have happened. It's true. I do remember at the end of 2016, um, well, early 2017, actually, when the French election happened, after we just had Brexit and Trump, the the Le Pen election, or the election of Macron instead, was very much touted as sort of the end of the, the year of revolution. Um, that was the, the marking point for it all crumbling down, which of course it all has since. And uh, since we've talked about Brexit, we, we might as well talk about Boris. Um, and one of the one of the points that I think is quite interesting this week, we talked about the Rwanda plan last week. So migrants are going to be offshore if they if they enter illegally in terms of their processing, uh, a good number of them anyway, um, which I think probably was largely quite a popular plan. Obviously, it wasn't in the press and it wasn't by politicians, but I think people widely saw it as good because they saw it as a way of trying to deal with illegal crossings, um, I think people probably also believed it would help lower numbers by dissuading people from coming. Uh, and what did we see the week after that? This week, we've seen announcements of new migration laws for India, which is pretty much going to be open plan. Um, yeah. So we can, we can, you get, there's an interesting sense of the timing there that they put in this big story about lowering immigration when talking about sort of the 30,000 level, which is what the crossings were last year. Um, and then the, the week after we see actually the numbers are going to increase. Massively. The soon to be the most populous country on the planet given an open door, open doors yeah. immigration policy. Yeah. yeah. An, open door, an open door approach to a nation of 1 billion people is quite possibly going to be an absolute disaster. Yeah, um, it's just lunacy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the 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 natural approach is, you know, oh, but this is for high skilled labor. Well, I mean, there's still, you know, like there 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 is still a, a, a pool of high skilled laborers in the UK that can be can be drawn upon. I mean, you know, it it it's 
believe it or not, there was once a time where it was assumed that a nation would put their own people first. <laughs> once yeah. upon a time, that that was you know that was a a, a normative assumption in in. Yeah. in well, this this is the point, isn't it? The Tories have had more than a decade in power, um, and if if they if they believe or believed at the time, which I'm sure they did, because it was accurate, that the pool of highly skilled labourers was too small, uh, particularly in certain fields, then surely, given that they've had so long in power, and given that they're, they're probably going to have a lot longer, I mean, there's there's still nothing that suggests Labour's going to take the next election, really. If this party gate nonsense blows over, which I imagine it probably will, not that I think it should, but I think it will, um, then Labour have got nothing to grab onto by that point. Boris might not be there, but somebody will be. Why haven't they done things to try and increase um, the, the capabilities of people to go into that field? There's been some talk on apprenticeships, but it, it really is about a revamping of the whole education system, lowering the number of people going to university, largely for no reason, um, which hasn't happened. We're still seeing increases. Um, that would certainly be one point of doing it, not making it so that all education has to be quote-unquote academic. Um, because most people, it's not a criticism, but it's just a, a, a reflection of the fact that um, there are different fields in which people do better in. Um, the government doesn't notice that reflection. It says everybody must go to university, which itself is an insult. It presumes that anything other than an academic education isn't worthwhile, uh, that that person is unqualified, as if having a degree is the only way of noticing whether someone is good at something or not. It's complete nonsense, but it, it hasn't done any of that. It's kept things as it is. In fact, it's made it worse. It's rooted this system even further. And at the same time said, well, dear, we've not got enough skilled workers here. Let's open the doors to India um, to, or to countries even further away, which uh, uh, of which we're more culturally diverse um, and will play into its own problems. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost I mean, like Boris and Blair are one and the same, isn't it? <laughs> Is that yeah. how a coincidence how they've been in power for 10 years and done nothing? Boris, and was, Boris, in his journalistic days, was writing in the Telegraph when Blair was in power that we need to stop moaning, quote, about the damn burst of immigration, that we just need to accept this thing. Um, mm. So, yeah, absolutely. He was all in favour of the policy and he's, he's showing that now. And we had all this take control of our borders nonsense. Why did people fall for this? It was so obvious at the time what he meant. Every time, and Farage has a lot to answer for for this, actually, every time the words Australia-style system was mentioned, people thought, this sounds great. Australia controls its migration. It's going to be a brilliant system. The reason they thought that was because they genuinely believed that the Australian-style system would see numbers decreased. Around the time of Brexit, if you look at polling of what people thought immigration numbers would be in the future, they'd say it'll be you know, a lot of people thought, and this isn't what they hoped would be the case, what they hoped would have been even lower, but they thought it would be below sort of the 75,000 mark every year, or even below the 50,000 mark each year. Absolute nonsense. They thought the Australian star system would do this because of the take control rhetoric. But really what take control meant was that we're going we're gonna to have the power to open it up even further. We're going to open the doors further afield, not just to European people with whom, you know, for all the, the problems that mass migration has brought over the past few years, we are at least more, more close culturally. Uh, but to open the doors even further afield with people uh, guessing we're, we're even more different in terms of lifestyles, where if you have, if you have streets uh, which become occupied by people from a more culturally diverse 
uh, country, which is going to happen because that's what multiculturalism is. It's not having uh, people blending together. It's having separate communities in, in a large town which just never meet. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's multicultural. It's going to be massive it's, problems. It's, it's, the, it's the policy of filling a nation with people who have as little in common as possible. Yeah, and, that's and, and it's what's causing oh, France right. to absolutely rip itself apart. I mean, yeah, there's military yeah. commanders didn't just warn of civil war. They said that the, the military needs to be sent into the Banlieues, which are these you know poor migrant communities that have poor assimilation and they're just detached from the the French city as as a whole. And yeah, it's complete lawlessness because no well, one I'm... can retain order because they, they don't consider themselves French and therefore they consider themselves above the law of that land. Oh. And that's why the French generals are saying get in the military. Yeah, I mean. Um... What I find stunning is that you have, you know, here today, gone tomorrow thinking from a past that's been in power for a decade yeah. and probably will be in power for another another decade because, you know, unless Labour suddenly snatch back Scotland from the SNP, which I, I doubt is going to happen, um, the Tories are probably going to win the next three or four general elections, at least until um, the older demographic is, you know, not 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 here anymore um the tories basically have this country by by in its vice grip and they you know they, they actually could execute some long-term thinking because it's it can be assumed that they'll be in power in 10 years time yeah but it's it, still it, this it's still this short-term thinking don't do anything for the long-term benefit because labor can take credit for it like that's the that's the thinking almost but also like they don't want to actually reduce immigration because like why would they because that they, they what they are is uh, I believe that every nation in the West has this is the continuity party. You know, it is it is the entry point into this country for international capital. That's what mm -hmm. the Tory Party is. You know, long gone, like dead, buried, and decayed is the idea that it's a it's a it's a reactionary traditional party. It's absolutely not, and it hasn't been for a very long time. It's the party no. of it's the party What's of music is that they, they still actually blame Labour for all this. Yeah. I mean, like they don't know for it when they've had eleven years to to systematically dismantle the legacy of Tony Blair, hmm. and they and, and they've they power than Tony Blair. Yeah, and they've and they they've expanded it. Yeah, you know, they've expanded his legacy, not not dismantled it, which was which they should have done day one. Hmm. Yeah, you, this, was, this was obvious with Cameron, wasn't it, years ago? Yeah, uh, who who still talked about the sort of tens of thousands numbers um, as though. That was ever going to be carried out a lot of people now regret including uh former chancellor george what was his name osborne, osborne who said we never should have made that policy proposal um never should have said it because they knew it wasn't going to happen um that itself was short-term thinking they think even when in office they said oh don't worry we're going to lower numbers to this level perhaps they didn't think they'd be there in 10 years time but that's no way to to run office um to presume that you'll just be gone in five years and then you'd be able to say, oh, sorry, I uh, didn't realise that. The same way that the Lib Dems talked about lowering um, tuition fees. The reason they said that was because they also had no idea they were going to be in power. Um, they make these promises in order to get into power. But when they do get in power, they think, oh, crikey, we didn't realise this would actually happen uh, and have to take it all back. Um, and then, but of course, because the electorate has a short enough attention span, people forget about it the next time. They say the exact same things in slightly different words. And uh, people lap it up, and that and that's what's going to happen is that the next time there's a general election, we're going to get you know lip service to mm. um to to the to the to the reactionary thinkers, um and I, I do believe people will fall for it, but I mean you know it, it is now the 
the duty of anyone who 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 considers themselves to be you know genuinely conservative or traditional reactionary to you know to just not buy it but you know i'm not optimistic there um because as, as well as being you know the most dominant force in british politics they also have you know um a very sophisticated propaganda wing um mm. and they and they can make it look like you know that's why we've had you know 11 years because there's been three faces of the party yeah, all yeah. um ostensibly different but under the surface even slightly identical even to new labor they're identical to new labor you know yeah. um so the party is very sophisticated propaganda wise i mean i remember going into the 2015 election there was this very effective campaign about you know how when they first arrived down the street there was a note saying you know there is no money you know? yeah and and they've used that as a club to beat labor with since 2010 you know which was they still mention that um labor were in power in 2008 2009 what about what about this uh, greater economic crisis than uh 2008 you know the one where um, prices are through the roof the economy was shut down for 18 months on end and yeah. um but of course the pr campaign of the toy party will say you know what we saved the country from covid we've stood up to the monster in the kremlin and we're going to fight climate change and we're going to get on board of all these uh, c contemporary um, trends because that's yeah. all politics is. It's just moving from one to the next and they're going to stay in power because that's all the Conservative Party is. It's a, a party over Britain's continuity and all it cares about is staying in power because mm. if it stays in power, then, you know, it, everyone gets the money and the authority that they want. Mm. I mean, no, it, nothing it, to do with public service at all. Yeah, I mean, also, you, you cannot you cannot under underestimate 11 years in power almost 12 years in power you know um if a week is a long time in british politics then then 11 years nearly 12 years is an eternity mm. and they've done just they've just done nothing with that you know they, they've done nothing that actually warrants the name of the party and it's just again and pe people are going to keep falling for it people are going to keep drinking the kool-aid um and you know with every with every passing year my my, my faith in the british electorate just vanishes even more it's not under seawater to be honest <laughs> i mean you look, i mean just people as i say the, the masses don't think too long and hard about politics because they've got life to get on with and that does allow for these uh, political actors to um not, not not manipulate but just sort of commandeer public opinion and in a democracy all you need is an effective propaganda campaign and you're mm -hmm. sorted whether dictatorial or, or sadistic you may be you need propaganda you need bread you need circuses you know, and and you know, and while while the bread may be may be coming into question um, in a, in the next year or so, I mean, the football's still on TV, isn't it? So you know, oh yeah, true. true. Still Eastenders on. I mean, I mean, who who cares about the incremental death of our country? You know, it's it's Chelsea Liverpool tonight. Yeah, <laughs> it's difficult because the you know these things are needed. They're, it's 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 a one front an important sort of cultural fixture. It brings people together. It's part of an identity. I, I don't share in that part of the identity, fine. But for a lot of people, it is. It's what makes what makes us who we are. But at the same time, it's a perfect distractor of political chaos. Um, so it is. It's a it's a it's a difficult line to balance. Um, I mean, you can't just get rid of these things because people then would lose their minds. Um, but it it does sort of help the regime. Um, and of course, it's it, just like Disney. It's a perfect way of spreading a certain message. You wouldn't have thought that with football. It's kicking a ball about. But then when you've got the kneeling, uh, you've got the various campaigns around it and the uh, the small statements that are made, um, 
it soon becomes something different. And because you're not expecting a political message when it's delivered and you don't really realise it's, it's, it's being delivered, you're more likely to soak it up. Mm. Um, and also also the the you know the regime has a monopoly on protest i mean there was a there's a hoo-ha recently because um someone flew a plane above one of the big games i think it was between uh liverpool and city yeah. uh saying um uh, britain's to be, to be a minority by 26 right which is you know on current trends is true you know right. uh, on current different trends given the the fertility rate of um of britain's compared to immigrant groups it is you know um a simple, simple bit of math- mathematics will um prove that to be true and it was you know it was it was it was completely stamped upon you know the the um the person who uh, paid for the plane was identified given a lifetime banning order everyone you know sort of almost formed a stampede to condemn the action yet you know uh almost what two years on from the the the, the passing of george floyd this the the knee is the knee is still happening yeah you know, and, and and players who said that they weren't going to take the knee were strong-armed into doing so. Yeah, yeah, it became a big problem. Um, which which demonstrates it's not just it's not just something that you know it was always painted as being oh it's not political, it's just about anti-racism. It's just a kind, simple message. Really not true. It's it soon becomes not that when people who don't do it are criticised for it. Um, when they're sort of pounded for it essentially and and made to do it and or perhaps even to to issue an apology Hmm. yeah yeah there we go um well i think we've covered a few of the the main topics this week yeah that was was a a a nice little stroll through the ashes yeah well luke it's good to have you back as well oh yes forever hopefully yeah we'll see we'll we'll make bornbrook a raving success we don't have to rely on corporate hellscape this is true I I've known listeners, Mr. Perry, for a very long time, and him getting sacked for making an inappropriate comment is is came expected as no surprise. Well. Yeah, exactly as expected. Quite amusing, really. But uh, more on that soon, hopefully. Um, but in any case, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks Luke for joining us, and of course Sam as well. And we'll join you again, and hopefully you'll join us next week. Cheers. <laughs>